Hey, Fungo Banter fans, Eric Sorensen here with another episode of your Pacific Northwest Fungo Banter podcast. Still at Big Country Studio here in Ellsworth, Washington. Guys, we are going to be joined here soon by Jason and Kelly. Uh, dynamite interview coming up for you. Head coach of Georgia Gwinnett, Jeremy Schiedinger. Guys, this is an episode you don't want to be, in, be uh, distracted. Get to a spot, grab yourself some snacks, and just sit down and enjoy. And do not forget your notepad. Awesome intake or insight on, you know, building your program, building your culture, and building, preparing young men for the game of baseball and the game of life. Please get on Facebook, Pacific Northwest Fungo Banter. Check us out on Twitter at Fungo Banter PNW. Get on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Please subscribe, rate, you know, uh, give us a, a, a however many stars you think we deserve. We, we, you know, the more the people rate and get us out there, the more the, the more people will see this podcast. And for young coaches getting started in the game that need some direction in their life, there's this, today's episode especially is a good one. So let's make sure we get the word out. Spread the good word of baseball, especially in the time of shutdown right now. Well, that's enough for me. Let's bring on Coach. Hey, Fungo Banter fans, we're back. Super excited for the guests we have coming on with us this week. Jeremy Schieninger. The head coach at Georgia Gwinnett, uh, the guy that's the the pod, uh, what was the word I was thinking? He's the podcast pro here, man. He's the, uh, <laughs> he, he was the guy that got this whole thing ball rolling, in my opinion. But coach, thank you so much for joining us and taking the time to come on with us today. Well, you know, I'm on because I just, I love the Pacific Northwest. So like, you know, I was born in Kentucky, but I've always, cons- I love that part of the country and spending time up there in that area, I just you know, I feel like, you know, I could settle down in Beaverton and just, you know, call it quits, you know, I, so maybe one day we'll, we'll all uh, have coffee together. You never know. Absolutely. <laughs> we'll come on over. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I know that we're hopefully uh, here in the next year or so we can do an episode with you in Lewiston. Yes. That would be the plan. Days, so. Let's hope. So first off, hard hitting question right away. What's your favorite fungo? So, and I knew this, this might be controversial for your crew. So, um, <laughs> I'm going to challenge people to think a little bit differently because I know everyone's going to name this wooden fungo, which by the way, SSK, there's only one brand that you should use and it's an SSK. Okay. Let me get past that. (laughs) I think we need to think a little bit differently about how we're preparing our players because with a wood fungo, generally the way most guys hit a wood fungo, I would equate it to a showcase fungo, which a showcase fungo is a lot of backspin on the ground, which I don't know how many games you guys have been to, but you probably haven't seen a lot of backspun ground balls and so we at Kentucky when I was there in in eight nine and ten we started watching South Carolina if you know anything about that timeline in college baseball they were winning the national championship a couple times and I'm watching them use this metal Easton and I'm going wow they're using a metal which again I know that's taboo but I'm watching it and I'm going hmm so I walk over to coach Tanner and I said man I'm just wondering why do you guys use a metal fungo he goes well what kind of bats you guys got over there in those cubby holes I said, okay. He goes, but no, it's the spin. We want the exact same spin they're going to see in the game. We went to Metal Fungos. I've been a Metal Fungo guy forever. I came into the the new job at GGC, and I asked my infielders, I said, I'm going to say something, you're going to cringe, but I want you to decide which one do you like. Do you like the wooden fungo, which I'll, I know how to – I'm a fungo wizard, so I'll I'll flip them over. I'll, I'll top spin them because that's the ball you want. I won't backspin them, but I want you to tell me which one you want. Do you want metal? Do you want um, wood? And they chose wood, so I, I swung it the rest of the year. We do some metal stuff in training. Uh, if we do a metal, it's a Marini. There you go. 
Absolutely. Well, I think you just gave us a, our second t-shirt, t-shirt quote for the fungo banter line of the, the fungo wizard. So thank you for that. <laughs> we'll get the away. <laughs> I'll take the Pepsi challenge. If you want to set it up, the all-star game, I'll be ready. <laughs> we go. Um, talk to us about your path in, uh, in baseball. What, what got you to where you're at now? Um, you know, the places you've been, uh, being an assistant, being with ABCA, now back into coaching. Kind of what's that process been like back and forth there? And, and, and why'd you make the call to, to be where you're at today? So the, the short version, super short is um, I'm from Frankfort, Kentucky. I knew I wanted to coach since I was about 16 years old. I had a really great little league coach and really great high school coach. And um, they really showed me the power of what a coach can be. And so I literally told my dad, I was going to be a high school English teacher and a, and a baseball coach. And then I go play college baseball and I, I play for a guy named uh, Ryan Brisbane, who's at Shriner down in Texas. And Ryan says, I know you want to coach. Have you ever thought about college coaching? And I said, man, I mean, to do what you do, like, what's that look like? And he explains the whole dynamic. And he said, the only thing I want you to think about is, man, you've got, you've got personality, which means you can recruit. And if you can recruit, you get a future in this game. And not that you wouldn't go be, you know, a good high school coach, I man, you might want to think about it. And I literally went upstairs and changed from English to sports management and I went right down that path and head on for it. And I just knew I wanted to coach from day one. So even in the final days of my playing career, the final years there in the summer, I didn't go play summer baseball. I actually coached. So I was a head coach at 20 and I was a head coach at 21. And um, I learned how to build mounds, which is obviously, if you know, you got to work on fields. But I learned how to build professional uh, pitching mounds and redo home plates and laser gray and do those things. And I jumped into NAI coaching right away and uh, spent two years on that level. Uh, I had an opportunity to come on staff at the University of Kentucky for three years. I was a Division II assistant. Then I was a Division III head coach. And then by the end of that 11 years, and I've talked about this a lot openly, is that I just felt like I'd burned myself into the ground. Um, I was chasing a national championship that I honestly hadn't even come close to, but I was still thinking I was within, you know, just a, a, a grasp of it. And um, I, I just, I, I realized that, I was, I was not in a good place mentally. I was doing it for myself. I was doing it for the accolades and the credit and the, and all that comes with that. And uh, I believe God opened a door to get out of coaching and to go work at ABCA. And I honestly feel like that was meant to be in part of my journey. And so I went over there and I I call it my four year sabbatical um, where I got out of coaching and and instead I, I got to really take a, a personal deep dive into what servant leadership really is. And that's the role over there. You know, you're working on behalf of coaches. You're working for coaches. You know, our boss, our board of directors, those are coaches or former coaches, some of the legends of, of baseball. And I really started to understand what that meant, uh, whether that's, you know, we go to Omaha. Uh, I work the vans to and from the games. I'm, I'm driving, you know, Bob Bennett from Fresno State and Gary Pollins and Carol Land from Point Loma, some of the legends that helped build the ABCA and also in college baseball. And I'm serving them by driving the van back and forth and probably missing some World Series games, you know. And, and, and then you just start to look at it and go in the grand scheme of things, 13,000 members, you know, I can hopefully be a mouthpiece to offer something to them that may challenge their hearts and may make them think a little bit differently next time that they uh, get in front of their team. And I got to be honest with you guys, like, it was working on me. <laughs> I, I, I thought at the time, I'm really helping. I'm helping. I was changing myself. I was changing, hopefully getting back to who I really am. And I think at the end of the day, I'm, I'm pretty passionate. Uh, obviously, I got some energy. Hopefully, I'm not wowing you too much uh, late on a Friday. Um, but that's, that's I just got to be myself. I can't try to be anybody else. And so 
I honestly didn't feel to come back to coaching until this fourth year. And it just, I started watching games differently and I started picking signs in the dugout and I started kind of, man, I would like to swing a fungo again and you know, those things. And, um, this job came about and I, I I'll, I'll put this out there cause I believe it every day. It's the best small college job in the country. Um, it, it has every question that you would ever ask. The answer is yes. Um, it, it's a fantastic tradition, even in a short eight year span, you know, going to three world series and winning 47 wins average per, per year. And, um, 21 kids in a pro ball in seven years, you just start to lay all these things out. It's like, man, you can't draw this up any better. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I came into it for the right reasons. And that's, I can honestly looking now and after year one and tell you, I came in for the right reasons, man. I came in to change lives. I came in to serve players. I came in to take this program and make it a true players program, which for us means they matter the most. <laughs> they are our rock stars. You know, my, my job, uh, the way I look at it is I should have a front row seat every night to watch the best college baseball team in the country play. And uh, I get out of their way. I let them be dudes. And, uh, you know, it's, it's really paid off for us. I'm excited about where we're going moving forward. So that's what's brought me back. And that's what, you know, is keeping me motivated each day is uh, I hit the floor going, how can, I, how can I serve my players? How can, we, how can we take this thing to the next level? And that's why we're here. Yeah, I think it's great. We all, we all go through kind of those highs and lows, the good places, the bad places, the sure. good coaches you work with, the tough coaches you work with. Everything's that learning process. And I, I think – I know I'm looking forward to in the future, just using all the perspectives that I've had to, to drive me where I'm going to end up being. And, and no one knows that. I mean, you were probably right. not thinking about this job two years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, this stuff just happens and you, you sure. got to feel right at that time. And, yeah. You know, and I'm, I'm assuming that it did for you at, at that point in time. Yeah. I mean, 10 years ago, this, the, the field was just a, a katsu hill, you know, like nothing was that. That's the, so the, the really neat part. I think that, that fires me up is this you guys are going to get my hairs raising on my I don't have any on my head but I got my arm um is you know uh, seven years so that's how old the program was seven years old when I got the job and I'm looking at it and I'm saying to Dr. Wilson our athletic director in the in the process and I said you know what probably excites me the most is you know seven years what we've done here is unprecedented like you've never seen a program built from scratch and this is a huge testament to the previous coaching staff and, and all the alums that are out there. Um, man, what they did in seven years is off the charts. It's just, you, you don't see that. I said, and that's great. But the thing that I think the next coach, which again, if I'm lucky enough to, to and fortunate enough to get this job, you know, I'm taking it not to build it for the next seven. I'm taking it to be the head coach here for the next 40. And uh, you may have to bury me under the bench because I don't think I'm going to leave the dugout. And <laughs> I think it's more about the opportunity to really build. And, you know, when you go back to, and I didn't realize I was engineered this way, but I'm a builder at heart. I think that's what I'm motivated by is to watch something build from scratch. And so like go back to, to ABCA and, and a lot of those job duties that I had when I left, they weren't on the, they weren't even thoughts when I got there, but my ambition is probably one of my worst enemies. I just liked, I like to do those things. I like to create stuff from scratch. I like to put myself out there. I know that it's going to be uncomfortable, but I'll grow because of it. Well, it's the same way here. I've only been a head coach. It's my, only my fourth year being a head coach. I don't have this thing figured out, but I want the opportunity and the challenge. I know that took, taking this job was going to make me better. Um, I was going to be challenged at, at 39 years old. I was going to be challenged every day. What a perfect right time 
to, uh, you know, uproot my family and move them to Georgia, but say, Hey, you know, this is going to be really good for, for my career and for my growth. And so it's not about building a great program for the next seven. It's about building a great program for the next 70. And so what we think we did in year one is great, but we're not popping champagne yet. We're trying to build this. So we mo have that momentum ball into year two, into year seven, into year 20, into year 70. We want to keep this thing building and growing. And so that, that's what excites me the most about it. You know, I was talking with a coach before we got on here and a lot of those conversations were coming up, you know, the opportunity here is great. And, um, you know, I, I have, uh, I have figured out quickly, sorry to keep going, but I figured out quickly that, um, when you're at ABCA and you're the coach's coach, man, everybody loves you. And, uh, when you get the opportunity to run a upper echelon NAI program that honestly, only has the national championship left on its ladder, um, you start to find out who your friends are. And uh, I'm actually relishing that target. Uh, I'm really enjoying, I think it's bringing out my best. It's bringing out uh, my competitiveness that uh, certainly was never caged, although I thought it was, it's not. Um, but more importantly, it's keeping me focused on what matters. What matters are our players, what matters are the impact we're having on them. And uh, we're going to build a, a championship program uh, day in and day out. Yeah, I think uh, I think one of the reasons why we were go ahead, Jason. Oh, I was just gonna say sheets. You know, that's so true. I mean, there's people out there that uh not everybody's designed to have their own business, you know, and, and to run their sure. own crew. And and really sure. it, it's that you know, we're all that God given gift. We're all born differently, you know, and we all have our, our pluses and our minuses. And that's the thing is that, you know. People are working, you know, for business owners because they don't want to run their own business, you know. Right. And, and I think that, you know, you're talking about building programs. It, it's a lot like that in a way, sure. you know, that you're, you're you're having to be the spearhead, the driver, the go get excited. I mean, there's times when you're built like you're beat down and you got no go and you got to, you know, shake the dust off yourself and say, no, I'm going to pound this thing through. and We're going to make this thing happen. We're going to, I see the site, you know, so. That's you know good. what it you know what it does for you, Jason, is you you look at um how I, I was we had a meeting with our coach and staff today, and you know, we've hired uh, six brand new assistant coaches. Well, we have a staff of 10 coaches. I want to let that sink in for a second. <laughs> 10 coaches, including myself, but we had the opportunity to add some really neat guys that were in the area. Uh two had moved back to town, two fantastic coaches, and we hired three young coaches that were looking for, you know, big breaks into college baseball. And so um, we were talking about that very same point. And I think when it, when you kind of lay all those things out, you, <laughs> you start to see that this is an opportunity that will challenge us across most every front. And I mean, like not just the physical piece, the emotional piece, the spiritual piece, but when we get through it and in the middle of it, as we work through it, that opportunity is so immense. It's almost hard for me to wrap my head around. Um, it, you know, again, uh, it, it's not like um, <laughs> I, had, I had a buddy say this. I mean, I realize that I took this job saying on third base, like, trust me, I'm, I'm extremely aware, which presents its own challenge. You know, it, it's a, it's not like taking a program that's been 10 and 45 for the last 20 years. And your job is to win 15 the next year. And everybody's going to give you a, you know, a pat on the back you're talking about a program that's like on the tipping point and you're just, you've been brought in to tip the thing over. And I'd like to think I'm the right guy for the job, but I may not be, you know, we may be 
you guys may not invite me on in five years because I'm not the right guy for the job. And I'm, you know, I'm at UPS, like nothing against UPS. I'm still need my packages, but still like, I'll be the one delivering them then. Um, like that, that's the reality of it. Well, I mean, isn't that what you want out of life? Like, I know, I know this is a tangent. I'm sorry, but this is, we just got done with exit meetings this week. And, and uh, I was talking with a high school coach a couple of days ago. And he said, and again, back to your question, what do you really want out of this? As coaches, I feel like we should land our ship at this. And this is where mine I've anchored in at. At the end of the day, we want our players to leave our programs with enough courage to attack life and go after and follow their own thoughts and ideas. Like, so again, when you talk about Bud Ritchie, my little league coach, when I talk about Darren McDonald, my high school coach, and David Kamak, my high school assistant coach, when I talk about Ryan Brisbane, when those names come up, it's because those dudes changed the trajectory of my life. And they challenged me in a way to where now at 30, at the time, 38 years old, I said, I think I want to go back to coaching. When I had the most cush, comfy job in the country, I could have worked at ABCA until 101. But I literally on my own thoughts and ideas went, you know what? I am the right guy for the job. And I want that job. And I want, no more importantly, I want that challenge. I need that challenge in my life. And that's what we're talking about with our coaching staff. Like, hey, realize what you walked into here. The, the, the goals are pretty simple. You know, we were recruiting this, this great recruiting class and we've got returners coming back. Dude, I don't say the words national championship. I don't have to. Like, we all know that that's why we showed up to train today. What other program can say that? that that's the stuff that gets you going. Like, well, wait a minute. This is much different than all the other conversations we had. At Kentucky, we were fighting, honestly, to win our first regional. If you guys know D1, you, then you got to go to a super. And then you got to go to Omaha. We weren't talking about Omaha. We were talking about winning our first regional. So here, it's like, that. that's the prize. That's the, tr the trophy right there. That's the one we want. That's what we're here to do. And that, that makes you better. And like I said, in five years, we'll know whether or not it worked. And I'll be okay with it, because then I'll know. And, and more than that, I think you'll see... Time after time, man, you start to just understand what's working, what's not working. You make adjustments. It's no different than life, man. But you got to be willing to follow your own thoughts and ideas and have the courage to do that. And that's what we want for our players. So you didn't ask for it, but you got that. <laughs> yeah, I think I think the one thing you brought up there, too, is, is huge, is that every program in America, you know, whether D3, D2, D1, high school, junior college, whatever, they all have a past that's uh, a little bit different. They've all reached various levels of success and there's different attainable levels for, of success at, at those spots. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I think for our institution talking about a national championship, even in our conference talking about a national championship is uh, I don't want to say far fetched, but it, it's a, it's a long, it's a long goal. Yeah. Um, and for our school going to a regional is a long goal. Um, but we had an opportunity last year to, to, to have a pretty good run in a conference tournament that hadn't happened before, but our bar was to get to that conference tournament. Then right. it's to do good in that conference tournament. And the next year is to win it. Then yep. it's to go to a regional and it's to win the regional, you know? So I, I think that's like you say, it's constantly raising the bar mom, right. to where we get to that national championship or win it. Okay. Now we want to go undefeated there. We want to run through it. We don't want to wait until three games left in conference play to, to lock in our, our conference title is com completely raising that bar yep. constantly. Um, but I, I think us as coaches, we can be real realistic with our spot and say, what is the best we can do with this group? And then hopefully in time, 
uh, we get the respect we're needed. We get added resources. Yeah. Uh, more people want to be a part of it. Okay. But accomplishing that next goal uh, is going to get that next step for you by giving you resources, by giving you notoriety, no by putting things on the map, which I think is crucial. Kelly, you are, you are striking a nerve, my friend, but more importantly, you're dead on. Um, you know, what's, what's really, I think two things. I think one is you as a leader of a program, you have to, man, it is it, tough to do. You have to honestly and transparently, and sometimes you got to get a little vulnerable. Love that word. When you do that, you got to figure out what your ceiling is. Like, well, that's what you're getting at. Like, you got to figure out what that ceiling is and go for it. Like you said, maybe it's, it's, it's getting to that regional, but you got to know what that is. Cause look, it does no one any good to set the bar past their ceiling. Hey man, it's Omaha. Hey boys, we'll put, I, I think about it. So I'm gonna put it on the back of our shirt. And then another coach says, well, coach, if you don't start speaking it into existence, it'll never happen. Well, I agree with that. But with Omaha's here, guys, you got steps along the way that you have to meet. There's checkpoints that'll then get you to where you're trying to go. I was uh, head coach again, this division three and, and the rival team in our conference, the coach, Bill Kirsch, awesome dude. BK calls me and we're talking and, you know, I take, I take the job and that's our rival and they've, they've knocked this uh, Spalding team off the last couple of times. And I'm thinking, you know, I'm the dude that's going to come knock them off their pedestal. And, uh, we're talking and you know, I'm pretty confident. I'm, I'm, I'm still in that mode, right? It's about me and I'm fired up and whatever. And, um, I remember him saying this Kelly, and I've always thought about this. And I, again, I think about it when I, when I was interviewing for this job is, you know, at that time they, we had just come off my very first year at this school, we were now eligible for the postseason tournament. So we were in AI, then we transitioned and also you can't go to postseason. And my very first year we could go to the postseason. And so I'm going, well, I'm coming in with guns a blazing. Like we're going to make it to the regional tournament. Uh, I, I expect to be in Appleton, Wisconsin at the world series. Like that's what we're doing. And we need to make the national tournament. We were set the school record for wins and we got left at home. You know why we got left at home? Because we're not a name brand. It was the very first time we were even eligible for the poll, let alone get selected for the regional tournament. And I called him and I said, man, I'm, and he was our writer. And I was really upset. Like, I cannot believe you didn't fight for us. I can't believe we didn't get in. We had 33, we were one of 11 teams that won over 30 games. Here we are. We should be in. And he goes, man, I want you to understand something. I'm saying this because I love you. And they had already been in the world series, I think three times. And he said, dude, you've got steps that you haven't even considered yet. He said, so when I got the job at Webster, we were bottom of the barrel. We were 10 wins per year. I wanted to get to 20 in year two, we got to 20 and I went, okay, man, I need to get to 30, 30 and 10 in division three is a big deal. We need to get to 30. Okay, man. I'm, and he goes, and then we won our first conference championship. Sweet. So now that's the norm. We got to win the conference championship. He goes, and then we got to our first regional. He goes, dude, we got to our first regional. Got beat. Then I started to realize what it's going to take to win a regional. We won a regional. Then I got to my first World Series. And I get to the World Series. I'm like, well, shoot, I, you know, we made it. And I'm thinking, just like every other coach, all you got to do is get there. And when you get there, luck takes over. Nope. Really talented teams still win the World Series. He goes, I got to the World Series and looked around and went, we're the eighth best team here, and there's only eight of us. <laughs> and he's like, we got to make another jump. And he kept, and I'm going, holy smokes, dude. There's like seven checkpoints. He goes, dude, we just got, they just got back from the World Series the year before, and they finished fourth, I believe. 
And he said, Sheets, I came home from finishing fourth. And I realized I still have two more steps to get. We need to be good enough to get out of fourth and make the national championship game. Then we got to be good enough to win the national championship game. He goes, dude, I'm telling you, I know you're impatient, but you ain't getting it done in year one. So Kelly, that's like, to your point, that stuff, that lesson, I remember where I was at, I was on a treadmill at a gym and I stepped off of it and I got schooled by BK and I've always held on to that. So that's where we go to this program. This is the conversation we had today as well. We're, we're at that fourth place. We finished fourth the last two years. Our job, we have two more steps to go and I'm not ignoring each step. We got to get really good and then we got to get good enough to win it, man. That, that's, that keeps, it keeps you where you're supposed to be, man. It's all about be where your feet are, be exactly where you are in the journey. You know, and that to add to that sheets is that the plus on that is that you get those marks. It's really your guys are going back to those, you know, incoming yep. freshmen and saying, hey, this is what it takes to get into the playoffs, or, yep. you know, league championship, you know, and that's the same thing at Tri-City Prep. You know, I came into a program that was dismissed when I know Eric and I have talked because we're in the same conference, but, yep. we, you know, we got year one, a little bit more year two, year three, we're in the playoffs by year you know, five, you know, we're into the deep in the state playoffs. You know, in 2017, we made the final four loss, you know, came back yeah. again that next year. You know what I mean? So what it is, is that, yeah, you're driving your guys to get better every year, but then you, it's to watch your players say, hey, fellas, this is what it takes. This no is the feeling. Like, so, you know, the nerves and all the unknowns, you know, mm -hmm. and they, it's just year in, year out, you know, an idea. It's just a well-oiled machine that just keeps driving and driving and driving. So speaking my language, man, that's what we call it. We call it the machine, man. We're trying to fuel it every day. No doubt. So Sheets, talk to us a little bit. You know, you had a, one of the biggest platforms to reach people and baseball coaches. And, you know, when I, when I first found out about the ABCA, it was from a Northwest guy I saw on Twitter, Tanner Swanson, yeah, who was our coach at Central. And talk about some of the Pacific Northwest people you've come across in that job and, and being a part of it. And just uh, how, coming across those guys and how they've grown and been able to help impact the game man yeah it's some some of my most closest friends i mean you're talking about some special people there um you know i really got to know tanner and billy boyer for starters i got a chance to know them when we started the barnstormers uh, tour and i was uh <laughs> about a couple months well I, actually i worked on that for about six months before we released it but like that when the idea started hitting me you know, ABCA, that's what we do. We do coaching clinics. Like that's, you know, the largest one in the world. Right. And you know, what if we did more of those, like, isn't that kind of what we do? Shouldn't we be out there helping coaches? But I think also, you know, it's in Dallas. Well, when it's in Dallas, you know, Midwest and some West coast and definitely always East coast, they converge on Dallas. When we're in Chicago. Well, man, it's heavy, Illinois, Chicago, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, East coast, a little bit of West coast, everybody in. Nashville, you know, well, we're never going to have one in Seattle as much as we'd love to like, you know, but when you do it in Seattle, you mean you're polarized It's the same way Orlando. And honestly, it's what we found in Anaheim. Like the minute you go to the outer boundaries, we'll never do one in New York city. Like that means the dude in Arizona is probably not coming. So like we try to stay as central as we can. And so I'm going, well, wait a minute, if we're never going to run the big show in Seattle, then why can't we, just run a small one. And, and so working through that, I made, I made uh, my first two phone calls, my first phone call ever on barnstormers, Jake Valentine at Portland. 
and I called Jake and I said, and I was, I was driving to a game and he was driving to go watch a, a recruit. And I said, Hey man, you got about uh, an hour and a half. <laughs> he goes, yeah, as a matter of fact, I do. I said, okay, let me just, let me just air this out and I want to see what sticks. And I laid out the plan for barnstormers. And I said, and I say all that to say, man, I, can I have one in Portland? Can you be part of this initial group that allows us to get going? Um, and I, I really want to run one in Portland. And I think at the time, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm remembering this right, I was thinking about like a two day thing in Portland. And he said, well, you know, I mean, you're driving distance to Seattle. Like, so why don't you just hit two cities in the same weekend? And I'm like, it's a heck of an idea. A little Saturday, Sunday combo action. Like, man, the one, two punch, I can roll with that. And I called Tanner Swanson and Tanner's like, absolutely. You're here, man. You're here. We double open the field. We're good. And um so anyway that's that's the like the origins of that like I, I knew jake before jake and i had worked a thousand camps together and i've known him since he was first breaking into coaching at you know around Stephen fa and and uh before he got to portland but um tanner that was the first time we had really talked and uh i didn't meet billy until i showed up at the barnstormers event and tanner vouched for him i remember this tanner was like i'm telling you dude he's really good i'm telling you he's one of the best infield guys i've ever been around and so i give him a speaking clinic and I put him the very last speaker. And I'm like, okay, man, because we might have some people leave and we'll just stick around and watch this guy. And he's out there and you guys know him. He's throwing these mini Frisbees and all these angles and circles. And I'm going, dude, I've never seen anyone coach infield like this. Like this guy is special. What is going on? And from that point forward, you know, I, I text Billy and Tanner probably once a week. And they've just been that close. Jake obviously was on our podcast last week. Like those are some special dudes. But you go, you know, you start to figure out that 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 circle those circles up there run so thick you know sean thompson uh is a guy you know over in yak that uh man he got the job at eastern kentucky and who's part of the first guy i ever met that was from the state of washington you know we've been close ever since you got uh jeff calhoun is an oregon guy and um uh spent some time in vancouver and lc and then obviously is bouncing around head coach of biola there's just it's a special rob vance I, mean, I can keep going uh Kevin, Kevin Cottle, like there, there's, there's so many dudes, but they're really good people. That's why I told you guys, like, I really enjoy that part of the country because you look at baseball a little bit different. Eddie Smith, when he was at lower Columbia, I used to love picking his brain, uh, just about coaching, about building his, the culture there, the job he took and the expectations that come with it. Don't think that that conversation didn't come with me to GGC. Like those people are so giving, I can text Tanner and say, do you mind literally texting him he's the catching coach for the yankees and i say could you please spend 20 minutes on the phone with our new catching coach because you've taught me everything i want to know about catching i need you to give him the cliff notes version so he's caught up to speed <laughs> and tanner swanson takes 20 minutes and talks to my guy like that that is that's who those people are special dudes up there man i love it up there not to mention the fish market i mean i can go up there and <laughs> i need clam chatter for days man but i'm just saying like there's really good people there too you know, you talk about uh, Coach Thompson, and he actually joined the conference or our league with Jason and I in the EWAC. So awesome! We were so excited to play. You know, another baseball dude like that, and then this sure. happened. But sure. you know, you, you, you uh, piggyback on Billy Boyer that day. <clears throat> That's when I first got my first like real clinic I went to, and I couldn't like I was standing on the field trying to take notes that day, and I'm like I can't do it fast enough. This is this is just so great. And at, from that day on, I was like I I want to go to more. And that was yeah. just, that was such a cool day in at UW. Well, you talk about like we ran six. That was like our West coast, uh, 
push. We were trying to get as many people on the West Coast to realize we were coming to Anaheim. And from the ABCA perspective, we just don't have a ton of following on the West Coast. Just it's reality. And so that was what we did. You know, Portland, Seattle, we did Fullerton, we did LA, we did San Diego, um, and San Francisco. And those were our first six barnstormers. And man, I, I told you I love the West Coast. I was out there. I I would just moved out there. I love it. I do. I'd move. I moved to San Diego tomorrow. I'll bartend at Chili's if they let me move to San Diego. <laughs> like I love it. And uh, that gave honestly gave myself, and then it gave. I had to convince my boss. Like it gave us the confidence we could move forward and expand it. So he thought expand it to 10. I thought expand it to 20. <laughs> that was another day in conversation. Um, but when you look at it, you know, ABCA runs 21 events. 20 of those are barnstormers. All 20, that whole entire tour comes from a phone call from Jake Valentine in the Pacific Northwest. Like that, that's, that's why when you reached out, I'm like, zero doubt, no doubt, whatever you need, whatever you need for me, you know, sacrificing time for my family, no doubt about it. Because I, that, that, that whole deal took, I know my coaching knowledge, as it, it sounds like it did yours, to a, a completely brand new level. When you get a chance to stand, you know, think about this. In one Barnstormers tour, I took in 140 coaching clinics in three months. Who can do that? Well, I got the front row seat for it. And thank God we started recording them. So now everybody can be part of that. Like, you're talking on-field, hands dirty, players for demos. Like, it just... It was, a, again, I'm grateful that I got that. That, that is so, um, talk about like getting sharpened, man. I, I mean, my ax got grinded at those things. Like, oh my gosh, I never taught hitting if I'm up against that guy. You know, I just, I never looked at pitching the way until I saw this guy do a bullpen, you know, coaching clinic. Anyway, it, it was very powerful. It sounds like it hit you home too. You know, Sheets, that's the way you, coaches have got to go. You know, I mean, if you yeah. want to grow in this game, You've got to sometimes just kick that pride to the side and say, you know, I just don't know. But, you know, as you learn and as you get, I just kind of look at life, you know, um, the fact that, you know, you look at all these guys that they're real handy with the craft. You know, I'm thinking like woodworkers, you know, and welders and, you know, just different people of the craft. And if you want to learn that, you've got to study and watch, but yeah. also ask questions because they want to teach too. Because here's the thing, the reality is, is that we're not all going to live forever. You know, some of us are going to yeah. die younger than others, but you know, they want that torch passed on. And the thing is, if we're willing to grab that torch, just like we are doing it, you know, kind of a relay here of life, sure, sure. pass that torch on, and then we take the younger guys and, and do the same, man, what betterment for the game. And, and so you, you just start to see the game grow more and more and more into that, that fraternity that we've talked a lot on this podcast, oh my God. continue to grow, you know, it's so important. So let me, let me hammer that point too. You just keep, I mean, you guys teeing me up on purpose. Cause it's like you're in between <laughs> my ears right now. Um, so the call, the call that I just took, like, as I mentioned earlier, before I jumped on with you guys was from, uh, a very successful NAI head coach and a guy that I met, uh, my second year in coaching so 15 years ago. And they beat us in the regional tournament. And I mean, they beat us bad. They were a really, really good team. They beat us really bad. And I just, admired the way his team played you know 24 years old and I'm still trying to figure out what it's supposed to be and what I'm supposed to be doing and I remember they smoke us and after the game we shake hands and I double back and I make sure I grab him and I say hey man can I can I talk to you for a minute and he's like yeah just tell the guys go ahead let's get our stuff let's go ahead and get over to the vans and my team's going down the line by the way our season's over 
and my team's going down the line with our head coach to talk and I'm behind home plate with this head coach and his team's going to get on their vans and it's just us two we stood there for 45 minutes and he really made my head coach upset but he <laughs> he gave me which I didn't care at the time he gave me some of the most solid advice that anyone had given me to that point like a true he had no reason to be but a true mentor and the next year I'm at Kentucky so obviously yeah a little pull there well as we know you know players leave at break and those things happen or we're recruiting a guy and something happens and and I call him and I say, Hey, Billy, I hope you remember me. Oh, absolutely, man. Yeah, you're Kentucky. Yeah, yeah. So I got this guy and, you know, you want to call him. Here's his number. And he calls him. And he's been one of their better players they've had. And Billy, he still brings that up. Well, he just called me and, you know, something had happened. And, and him and I, he gave me pure big brother, arm around the neck, mentor advice. And I it literally, as I was clicking the zoom, I was hanging out with him and I'm just like, I got to do that for more people. Like what that meant, you know, I, I told him I loved him three times. Like I told him he's like a little Buddha with no hair. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's like that I, he, he knew exactly where my heart was at and needed to say what he needed to say. And I needed that. And so again, you go back to that, that that's what fraternity is <laughs> like we talk about this with our kids. Everybody says build a family. Well, when you say that, I think the connotation to most coaches is, well, families, you know, man, everything's hunky dory and candy and sparkles. And, you know, we pass out Skittles after every at bat families fight. I don't know how you guys are with your wife. I mean, we chomp at each other all the time. And then the next second we, what are we doing? Like that families fight. Our kids get in trouble. I spank my child. He gets in trouble. Like, when he climbs on the counter, he gets in trouble that the families do that. And so that that's, that's what fraternity is. That's what brotherhood is. That's what all those. And so, but that makes you better. You work through those moments and it makes you better. And so, yeah, from the learning perspective, man, if you're not, if you look at this question and say, what, what have I learned recently that's challenged me? If you don't have that answer, you didn't ask the right questions. Like you should have that. I have that thought. I feel like daily, you guys are making me sort through things in my head right now. That's making me better. That's, that's where you get this constant state of something today, something in the next breath is going to make me better. And if you stay in that mode, you, you really, the, the right question just rolls off your tongue. You don't even have to think about it. Well, if I really want to get depth on that, I better ask this. And it blows you away that, 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 that state is powerful, man. And that's all we're trying to, you know, with our podcast, your podcast, those coaching clinics, like that's all that I think all that is the, the spirit in which it's being done is to make the game better period. Cause if you make better coaches, you make better players. And if you make better players, you make the game better. So I think that's where it all roots from. You're dead on. Yeah. No, no doubt. She's uh, wow. Some good stuff, man. I'm, just got, like, I mean, I'm on a roll right now. I don't know about you guys, but I'm just getting, maybe it's the sunlight coming through the window here. We're all wearing like, sleeves. We, well, we should be in sleeveless shirts by the end of this conversation. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, I feel like it, man. <laughs> so, Sheets, I want to hit you another heart heavy uh, bullseye question. I know you kind of talked about this a little bit, but when did you really realize what it meant to be a coach? 
you know, I'm going to kind of add to that too. I think about, you know, fatherhood, you know, for me, there it is. you know, I, I got, I got three kids of my own and, and, uh, Eric here, he's got one and a half, he's got another one coming, you know, so he's yep. going to join the bandwagon multiples. Kelly, he's, he'll be there at some point, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I think about when we had my daughters, our first child, uh, man, talk about, uh, surrendering sacrifice, uh, you know, waking up, um, fortunately I have an amazing wife, you know, but, uh, you know, waking up with her to help feed or clean up whatever I need to do, change yeah. the diaper, knowing I got to get up at five in the morning to get to work and being dog tired and, and still trying to be a positive, uh, boss and not snap at my, uh, employees too much, but you know, <laughs> I, I, I just, what was it for you, man, that when you felt like, you know what, I really understand what it means to be a coach. I will say that's a, it's an awesome question, man. Again, got to ask better questions. That's, that's a, that's a good one. Um, I, having children, there is no substitute for coaching for greater coaching out of yourself than having children. And that's not the, uh, put out my advisory note. That doesn't mean go out and have just a bunch of kids and you'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah. like that, that's, Coronavirus that's wave not what I said. Soon. He didn't say that. Um, <laughs> What I did say is when you are at that place and you accept what being a father is getting ready to do for you. And then you, I had a buddy that just had a, uh, his firstborn, And I said, I can't tell you what, what, what's going to change, but you're going to know it. As soon as you see that baby, you're going to know it. And I can't, I don't, even, I don't even know what it is, but it happens. And everybody told me that my dad told me that just wait, just wait. And it'll, it'll happen. I definitely, be, I'll say this. I became a much better person when I had children, um, you know, I wasn't coaching. I was a coach's coach per se, but I wasn't coaching in the spirit we're talking about. Um, I became, Oh man, you guys are gonna make me want to start crying. Um, I became a, a better coach. I became a coach when I took this job and in the, in the process of interviewing, and I've told this story. I told the story at, uh, at, at ABCA in the process of going for this job. I called one of my good friends and I was struggling. Like I said, leaving ABCA or going to coaching and I laid everything out. And he said, you know, one thing you need to keep in mind is that if God wants to open this door for you in your life and there's no man that can close it, he's like, so again, if the opportunity is presented, it's probably presented because of him for a reason. But again, if he doesn't want you to get back into coaching, brother, he ain't going to open that door. So you just got to take solace at night that it's going to work out how it's supposed to work out. And that, you know, I've talked, that was a pivotal moment in that process. Cause I really, I'm a, I'm not a let go, let God guy. Like I still feel like I got control over this thing. And I, I work through that each day. That's me go barking. And, um, I really started to think through at that point. Okay, man, then let's get to the crux of, if you go back to coaching, then what is it? And I'm gonna be honest, man, I get to rewrite my own script. Like I have 11 years, I'm not proud of my first 11. No, I'm not proud of it at all. Like I had I talked with one of my former players, he's an accountant in Louisville, he's got three kids, and he was our catcher for for all three years at Spalding. I'm so proud of JR, man, because you're talking about he had a kid at, at uh, 18 years old. And he had another one at 20. 
Yeah, another one at 22. Like, man, I had mine at 36 or whatever. Like, bless his heart. Um, he got his degree. And he's got his own accounting firm. And, uh, you know, he, but here's the tough part. He is one of the few former players that I still talk to because I think they saw that I was not there for the right reasons. I was there for selfish reasons. So my point is working through why I would go back and rewrite my script for me comes back to, um, having the right spirit each day and the right spirit, like I mentioned earlier, is it's about others and it'll always be about others. And, uh, what can you do today to serve your player? What can you do today to enhance that relationship? Um, I love to win just like the next guy, man. But if I don't get invited to these guys' weddings and you didn't do it the right way, um, you know, if I don't know when they're, when they're having a baby, if a senior doesn't come up and ask me to reread his resume, if a kid gets into, you know, a family dispute and he doesn't feel like he can call me and trust me with that information or seek my advice in those moments, I don't think we're doing it the right way. And, um, and then, so Jason, I'll take, I'll, I'll take that and then I'll curve it because I still don't think I'm a coach. I think I'm a teacher. Um, and, and my kids don't call me coach. They just call me sheets. I'm just a teacher and I'm on the ground floor right here with you. Cause I'm learning every day. I spill coffee on my shirt every day. And, and so do they, I'm very imperfect. Well, guess what? So are they at 18 and, um, we work through it together and we're growing together and we're building this thing together. And uh, that's when I became a coach, but then I quickly became a teacher. And that's what I've, I'm going to hang my hat on. Hey, Banter fans. This is Anthony Claggett from Washington State University. You are listening to PNW Fungo Banter Podcast. Go Cougs. So, Cheats, we're going to roll into our seventh inning stretch portion of this deal. And uh, I just getting warmed up. I know, right? Uh, <laughs> and, I, and the chills have been we're flowing through this whole thing, man. Uh, oh, yeah. Man. Uh, so, where can we start on this one? Sheets, you got me going here, man. Uh, oh, with your career, and I mean, outsider looking in, your job at the ABCA, that had to have been just phenomenal. That would have been so cool to be able to, yeah. you know, you got to pick so many guys' minds in, in high school, college, and all different levels. Uh, the major influences that have hit you through that and that I got you when you, you know, you're back into coaching now, but just what yeah. has that led to who you are coaching today and who are some of the people that have really helped you get there? you guys are trying to get me to cry on air and I'm maybe I'm just in an emotional state. I'm not going to do it. Um, man, oh man, oh man. So I think the man, so many names and, and, and don't want to sound like a name dropper. Uh, nobody likes those guys. Um, but like, uh, that's, that was the gig, man. The gig was spending time with the best of the best. Like I mentioned earlier, our board of directors, and I didn't get that until our first meeting four months into the job. And I'm looking around the room and I'm a, I'm a college baseball nut. So like I grew up watching the world series, but then I would, you know, study the teams and all that good stuff. And then the internet came about and I'm spending time on websites. And like, I just, that I'm, I'm consumed with that. The very first book I ever got, my dad went and bought it for me. And I still have it in my office and it's the baseball coaching Bible. And if you don't have this book, you gotta get it's is time tested you know, Bobby Winkles is in there. He just passed away and John Winkin and Bob Bennett and Augie Garrido and Mark Marquis and Gary Ward. And I mean, J J Jerry Kendall. And you're just like, 
I mean, those are, those are my dudes. I remember when I got the head job at 20, like I mentioned, I was a head coach of the Jeff Sachs 16 year olds. And I went through the Bible and I highlighted all these excerpts and quotes and these thoughts. And, um, I built an outline, a four page outline. If I could find that thing, it's on, a, it's on an old computer somewhere, man. It's in the cloud somewhere. I mean, maybe one day, but this four page and I took so many quotes from that. And you know what one of them was, which seems to come up all the time is they don't care how much, you know, till they know how much you care. It was the first time I heard that at 20 years old. And I, my ears weren't big enough to hear it at the time. And, um, Man, so those guys played the first role on me. Um, The ABCA, you know, I got a chance to spend time with Jerry Kendall and and be around him. Spend time with, as I mentioned, um, Bob Bennett, who, you know, longtime Fresno State head coach and just uh, one of the sharpest minds in baseball. I mean, just has, has contributed so much to the community. And you just go down the list of legends. Carol Land. Carol Land is probably the most Christian man I've ever spent time with Keith Madison, Ed Blankmeyer, like these just, just legends. So where I go back to is from that sparks the podcast from that sparks, the barnstormers from that sparks. And then in the course of those things, man, you're, you're just open to so many opportunities. Like I think the fifth episode of the podcast, I, I had somebody connect me with Skip Bertman. And I'm like, I've watched LSU in the World Series in more games than an LSU fan. And now I'm getting a chance to interview Skip Berman. Are you kidding me? And it was just everything I thought it was. 30 episodes later, I'm connected with Augie Garrido. <laughs> like, what are we, what are we doing? Like that, that's that he's that's my coaching idol. That's the guy. That's the guy I've watched from Fullerton all the way through. And, you know, the course of that, and I've talked about this stuff before, like him and I develop a friendship. And for the last two years of his life, I got a chance to be mentored by Augie Garrido. Like, what 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 story are we writing here? Like that that's how you draw it up. And uh, man, and it's it pretty it's on my brain because the guy who introduced me just called me to Augie, and um, I, I'm grateful that Craig did that. And so you spend time with him. You spend time with tim corbin you know like if you want to be around the best coach in america you spend time with tim corbin and I, i've i've interviewed him so many times we laugh about it like it uh, he's like i'm sick and tired of being on a podcast with you dude like we got to figure something else out so we did the road show and i you know i'll come to your place and we'll do it like but man every time i'm around him he makes me better he challenged me with a thought tim corbin you get on a phone call with him and you spend the whole time answering questions so, I mean, seriously, think about that for a second. I come in with a list and then 45 minutes in, I'm like, I've been talking the whole time. Coach Corbin, how'd you do that? Because I need to learn. I need to get better today. What'd you, what'd you have for me? I said, no, I called you for that reason. Um, but anyway, I think it, it goes, it goes so much further because those are the names everybody knows. The names that you don't know are the countless people from the Butch Chaffins of the world. Um, all these high school and travel guys that no one knows unless you're on Twitter. But man, when you get around them, like when I'm around Butch, we call him the Godfather. When we're around Butch, I realize I've never coached baseball. And guess what? He doesn't have a sweet Nike contract and on TV. He is a high school coach in Tennessee in the middle of nowhere. But when you start to, so my point to that is you start to look at these guys and go, 
man, we are all the same guy. We just wear different uniforms. And the, the, you know, the, the four guys on this call are all going through something. Like we all have a demon. We all have an issue and we all have good things going for us. So does the countless coaches around the country. We're all the same dude. We just wear a different uniform. Some of us play on TV. Some of us have never even had a write-up in the paper. Some of us win a lot of games. Some of us lose a lot of games. Some of us kiss our sister a lot. <laughs> but we're all the same dude. And that, to me, is, is what I've learned the most from any mentorship around any professional coach is that you start to realize, man, he ain't that much different than I am. And that's, I don't get starstruck at all. Like I, that, that's probably a lot from my dad. My dad was a professional speaker. And so I just, I mean, it is what it is. I'll go up on stage and talk to anybody. It doesn't matter, but I don't get starstruck at all. And I think that's been a, a quality to have because you get around these guys and then you really get to know them. You're like, you spoke you spoke coffee on your shirt like you're the <laughs> same dude and then you just start again i think that that kills that whole sense of pedestals and elevating people dude dan mcdonald as great a coach as he is at louisville i promise you during this quarantine he has tried to think through how he can make his program better so have i same thing Ooh, that was that was good you know the one thing i want I, that i wrote down right away and, and I heard this on actually your podcast and it was a, I think it was going into my, it was right after my second year of taking over the program at Kittitas. And mm -hmm. I was the same thing. The coach left, he'd been there for years. He's a Washington state coaches hall of famer. And he left knowing that I was going to have a team and a small school a team full of juniors and seniors. Cause that's kind of the rotation of, you know, you yeah. build to that. And that year we had, the, this was kind of the year we we're supposed to win. Right. Mm -hmm. And we didn't even get out of districts. And it was yeah. the first time. And I don't know how many years we didn't get to go to the regionals and the state tournament. And I remember that day, uh, I was I was so mad about it. And I, I texted him, like, I'm sorry we didn't carry the tradition on. And his response back was, that's not the tradition. Our tradition is building young men, Eric. And I oh. had to hide my eyes on the bus. And the, it was between Moses Lake, Washington, and Kittitas. And I yeah. bawled my eyes out. And yeah. it was... And then like weeks later, I hear your podcast. And I hear that. And I'm, I told you, I'm a farmer. I'm in the middle of a hayfield irrigating. My dad had to call me because he's like, why are you just standing there? Like... I was taking notes and writing things down and I had an emotional breakdown right then and there. And it's like, oh. from that moment on is when I finally started changing. Like, yeah, it's not about being the biggest, you know, screamer and yeller and telling kids what to do. It's to, it's to do that, be where your feet are. And they don't care how much, you know, till they know how much you care. And I feel like that has completely changed how we do things. So I'll give you another place of vulnerability if you guys are ready for it. Sure. Okay. <laughs> um, tell your wise we're going into uh, extra innings tonight okay. so um you know this was a rough week for us if i can speak openly um you know the corona thing has had its own effect on college baseball programs around the country and and certainly it has in high school and i think you know the one thing I, you always take solace in is everybody's in the same boat everybody got their entire world turned upside down and and for all of us we lost baseball and um you know with that we're in a really unique situation here, man. We, we just, we have limited roster spots. It's just the way our, our, our thing is set up. We can't, we can't have a hundred kids and it's not the program we have. And uh, so you look at it and you say, you know, 
as head coach, you're charged with always doing what's right for the program period. Like that, that is, it's not about you. It's not about even our players. You know, uh, we have really good player and he graduates. Well, somebody gets his Jersey next year. We're just not going to every good player retire their Jersey. Cause then we got kids wearing 98 out there on the field. <laughs> like we have one through 45. Those are our numbers. And um, you know, so it's much bigger and you always as as the head coach you have to have that mindset you have to always think about and then react to and do what is best for the program well that's no different here it's the same situation same rules apply and then sometimes you get lost in you gotta do what's right for the person and that's important but it's third on the list it's your program it's this year's team and then it's the player because that's the way it works if you try to do what's right for the player first, it's just like a comedian. You can't make 35 people happy. You know, 20 of them love you. 10 of them are still trying to figure out. And five of them can't get away from you fast enough. That's just the way it works. And so anyway, we, we, we go through this week. And it was a tough week. So I'm, I'm actually was looking forward to this conversation. And um, we, we've had to make decisions in what we thought was best for the program. But ultimately, you know, I'm a pretty – sensitive passionate guy i want to do what's right for these kids because i've gave them my word from day one i would do that so we ended up walking different directions from a few guys because it's what's best they may not play in this program we all know how players are players like to play so if you won't play then let's help you find a place where you can play and no one will be your biggest fan than i will be i will i will check websites i will check in on you I think it's the right move and it's good for you and it's good for us. And, and again, you're, you're going to benefit from it. Doesn't seem like that at the time. So we had one day in particular, we had three guys that we were going to let go. And man, you're talking about a team that was 23 and two. It was on a 22 game winning streak. That was the most close knit group I've ever coached. And I genuinely love my guys. And uh, like I said, they're my rock stars, man. And I got to call these three kids. And from day one, we built our culture on two words, trust and love. And I think if any coaches listen to this, you know, really start to drill down. I've said this uh, countless times, but uh, Brian Green, again, going to build up the Cougars. You guys are going to have a really good Pac-12 team there uh, in, in the state. Um, he hit me with this, you know, and hitting, you know, that's where we all have seven different parts of the swing with four bullets underneath and, you know, where our kids can't digest that. So can you take those seven – it can drill it down to six. And if you get to six, can you get to five? You get to five, can you get it to four? If you can get it from four, can you get to three? Nope, can't get to three. Sweet. You have four parts of the swing. But you've drilled it down as simple as it can get. Guys, I spent more time drilling, drilling, and drilling till I found gold at trust and love. Those if we end the year with those two words, we've done everything we were supposed to do in year one. So long story short, flash or fast forward, I'm on the phone with these three guys. And you're talking about taking the opportunity to play in our program away from them. And all three guys verbatim, I'm expecting, you know, we're on zoom. I'm expecting computer slam. I'm expecting other words. Um, I'm expecting to, you know, burn a bridge. All three guys coach. It's obviously a tough conversation. I know you didn't arrive at this today. I know you've been thinking it through. I trust you, literally the word chosen by all three guys. I trust you that you are going to make the right decision for me. Um, you've always looked out for me. 
It's tough to hear, but I would appreciate your help in finding another place to play. And all three phone calls, we ended exactly like we do every team huddle. Hey, man, just letting you know I love you. Coach, I love you too, man. I'll give you a call this week. And so what I think to that is we did something right. You know, like there's something there because I've been on in the room when it's gone the other way. And I never equated it back to where you really live in your, your, your culture every day. And so I've said this last couple of weeks because it's heavy on my brain. If, if that word crawls under your skin and you're quote unquote getting cultured out, then you probably don't have a very good culture because you can't get cultured out. It, it is living, breathing every day. And if you're not working at it, it's dissolving. That is what wins you ball games. As much as we have got talented kids, dude, our culture shows up. And how about in our darkest days, our culture showed up. So if you want to get cultured out, let's see if we can get you on the schedule. I'd love to play you. And let's see how the game goes. I'm not, that ain't, that ain't me in a braggadocious way. That's just telling you, homie. Like, culture wins. Culture beats strategy every day. So, uh, that's heavy on my brain. So I appreciate you kind of team me up for that one. You know, I, I agree with that totally. I mean, you, you kind of getting stepped back here a little bit. You talked about, you know, people impacting, you know, coaches. Uh, you know, I think about, you know, of course, there's, I don't know how many coaches in the nation and all over, but, you know, you got your little league, your high school, your college, your pro guys. But the thing is, is that, you know, and Eric can vouch us because we play in the EWAC league here in Eastern Washington, but, you know, there's one particular coach that, you know, he doesn't have a great program, but he's committed to those kids. And he, sure. he makes sure that he lo he knows that those kids are loved every day, you know, and I, you talk about impact, you know, he doesn't, you know, it wasn't that he brought a lot to the table to say, Hey, you know, this is what we're doing to be a bit better of that. But what he's teaching when we're dialogue is, is the fact of love. And oh. I think that most, most importantly, I, I think it's the greatest commandment of all, but you know, most importantly, yeah that's going to get the farthest than any tooling that we can give a kid on the field for sure. You gotta, these kids don't talk those ways, man. Like, I mean, you, you know, we got just like you guys do, you got kids from all walks of life, get kids from all different experiences, like their story, how they view the world. Like, uh, you know, we, we were on the zoom the other night and that that's like the biggest piece we got to figure out. These kids all come wired a certain way and it's our job to not say he was a bad kid he's a bad person man how's he wired like how what has he gone talk about fight for empathy what has he been through how about this we had a kid this year man he went to a division one out of high school and thought that was where he was going to spend four years he gets cut and and what i start to figure out is man he doesn't trust his coaches like it, and it took me a while. I'm like, come on, man. Like I'm here, man. And he, and he'd always, he always one of these kind of look at you out of the side of his eye. Like, okay. <laughs> and I just never put, and I just kept working at him, kept working at him. And so then I'm like, you know what? Let me try to make an adjustment. Now let me coach him. And we start talking about his swing he can hit a little bit, but I'm like, man, you got like one, two clicks away. We make this adjustment and he goes up and he doesn't do it. And I went, Hmm, interesting. So I keep chewing, chewing. And finally, I, I, I come to him and I try it one more time. So, man, I'm going to try something. What about this? You know, and I haven't told him this. You know, the day where it clicked is the day that I went down to the cages while he was not hitting and he was just standing there talking to a few guys who were hitting. 
And him and I stood on the outside of the cages and we talked for 45 minutes. And then the next day he walks up and goes, what was that swing adjustment you were trying to help me with? I said, just think about this. Try this. What about this? What about this? And I don't know if you guys saw Twitter, but he was, he was the guy who hit the two home runs that made Twitter. <laughs> and one of them sold and landed. And we laugh about that now because I said, man, I, it's funny. You made me, you're making me a better person because I'm your coach. Like I, I'm around you. And because you've challenged me, that's made me better because then I'm that only to solidifies, as you mentioned, that solidifies the fact that I got to figure out how to get to every individual on its most intimate level, as far as our personalities will allow us to get. And if I can get there, dude, I can get anything out of you. And you're going to get the most out of me, which in that, in that kind of what we want, we want to be mentored. We want, you know, yeah, I'm with you. And we laugh. And by the way, we, in, you know, love you. Love you too, coach, man. Like you just, you just start to realize that, man, for the, like, you know, again, whether you coach high school or you coach college, try to tell a 14 year old, I love you. See if he's comfortable with that. Well, try to tell a six foot five, 210 pound, 22 year old that's looking down on your bald head and you say, I love you. And he goes, who is this chubby white dude keeps following me around trying to give me a hug. And six months later, he he's, you really do. Don't you remember him saying that? Cause you really do. Don't you? And I said, I really do, man. When I tell you that your parents want to see you succeed, man. And I don't, I don't, let's call that game over. All right. This new game over here. There's no one in this stadium wants to see you have more success than I do. I promise you that. I'll be the first one fist pumping, major fist pumping when you have success. And, uh, oh, man, not to keep going on this, but it's a pretty cool moment. So he he pulls a little muscle in his back, and I set him for a couple games, try to heal him up. And, man, it was at the work the worst time. We had five games in five days. And he hurts his back in game two. And uh, game four was where number three ranked GGC was going to play the number nine team in the country. Well, they were coming in ready for us. And I knew we needed to show up. And his back's out. And so he misses game three. And I'm like, well, maybe the next day, I don't know, give him a day to rest. And I walk over to him down in BP and I said, man, do you think you can go today? He goes, coach, man, I, it, it's still, man, I hate to say that. I want to play, but man, it, it's hurting. That's okay, okay. We play the game. We're down three to two. And our shortstop comes up and I think the six and he hits a two run home run. We go up four, three and they bring a kid in to the game. That is kind of a low three quarters slot and his fastball is going to have run, but it's going to leave it over the middle and he throws a slider, but it's like a baby slider. It ain't a hook. It ain't a Frisbee. It's just a little baby tilt. I and mean, it's just going to lay flat. And especially with the low slot, it's going to lay flat across the zone. Well, I know this kid swing and I'm watching this kid warm up and I'm going, Oh man, like if there was anybody made for you, it's this kid. And I just, and I start walking down and I put my arm and again, he's six foot five. He's gigantic. He's built like a centerfold in some calendar that some grandma has up. Like he is just put together. <laughs> and I sit on the rail and I said, Livy, what do you think? And he goes, I'll do whatever you want me to do for the team right here. And I just like went. That's all I've ever wanted is players to, it's not about you. It's about the team. And I go, 
okay. And I just walked <laughs> back down like, oh my God, we just walked into everything we've been talking. And I'm like standing there and I'm like, okay, you're in, let's go. You're hitting for this guy. And he gets up and he's trying to pop his back. And wouldn't you know it, he hangs a 2-0 slider that's flat, little baby hook, and he freaking lifts it. And that's what you're going for in coaching, man. That moment doesn't happen if we don't struggle the first few months to connect. It doesn't happen if we don't go down there and talk at the cage for 45 minutes. If I don't get to know who he is, if I don't get to understand where he's coming from and him understand where I'm coming from, it doesn't happen if I don't trust him in that moment. It doesn't happen if he doesn't know that I love him as a person well before I love him as a player. And it doesn't happen if he doesn't love and trust what I'm asking him to do. He doesn't believe it's coming from the right place. So you didn't ask for it, but you got it tonight, boys. <laughs> Coach, you, you really hit on a, a couple big things. And, and I think um, a couple of the hardest things to, to decisions to make as, as coaches are, are one that decisions that impact your roster. You talked about letting guys go or maybe giving guys the key to a position uh, moving forward. Um, is he the right guy? Do we need to recruit a better guy? Um, and then you talk about player health and player safety. Can this guy really go today? Yeah. I mean, there's really no way of knowing the response to any of those things if you don't have that strong relationship built. But, but honestly, those two things probably drive at me personally the most. You know, you're in season, you got this guy, you know that he's hurt, uh, but can he go the next day? We know we need him to win, but but what's the risk to him? You talk about the family and the trust and the love and, you know, is, is this going to uh, not allow him to be a part of our family for a, a extended period of time if he gets hurt? Or you talk about breaking up with a player and, and getting him out of our program. Um, those are really tough decisions that, that I think are the hard, the X's and O's. I mean, we can go back and forth on those. That's the fun part of this thing, man. But I, I think decisions that really impact the, the individual that, that might put them at risk for not only for that moment, but maybe for their life. You know, is this guy going to be successful if he leaves our program and goes somewhere else? Is he really going to be cared about to the same level as he is at, at this spot? You know, and, and I think the toughest thing, driving me personally right now and you've tugged at the heartstrings a little bit is is looking at roster moving forward you got opportunity to bring seniors back at a, at a, a young group of freshmen a lot of arms that are going to be impact guys moving forward and I got two top end arms that that may be able to come back for an extra year you know and, and me thinking that is that going to hurt the development of those young individuals that that might have had the keys this year for that spot yeah. but now you're bringing back people um, that, that likely going to go, go back to the roles that they were in. Um, but yeah, any decision based on roster and, and based on health are, are just such a hard driver for us to, to try to go for. And, you know, and especially in this time right now, I mean, those are the things keeping me up at night personally is, is what's that roster going to look like next year? And how can I do right by those seniors that didn't get to have their, their jersey presented to them on a senior day? but knowing that there's other guys that, that we care about that in this program that might have to take a back seat. And I think at the end of the day, you talk about culture, um, the closeness that we have as our team. I, I don't think anyone's going to bat a lash knowing that we're trying to do right for the good of the individual and the good of the group at the end of the day, long with an answer. But I, I just think the stuff that you say, man, that your, your impact and the stuff that, that you've brought up today is, is really 
you know, refreshing to hear that um, just decisions that you make that really benefit the individual and the group at the end of the day. Well, first and foremost, dude, I, I don't think I arrive at any of that without this conversation. I mean, those are all thoughts that heck we're all in the same boat, man. We're, we're going insane, right? We've no literally been locked inside for eight weeks. Like no you should have called me dude. Cause I've been staring at this recruiting board for eight straight weeks <laughs> until one and two in the morning. You should have called me. And you know, the, the, I think the what you go back to making those decisions in game and making those decisions now, um, I think, you know, if we pray for two things, pray for a lot of things, but if you pray for two things in coaching, in my opinion, my opinion, and which doesn't mean anything, here's my opinion. Uh, pray for self-awareness. And that's a lot of things. That's managing the inner dialogue. That's managing the inner motivations. That's, you know, recognition of who you are in this conversation. Like when I start getting long-winded, I, I know I'm getting long-winded. I'm self-aware. All right, you, you've been talking for 10 minutes. You might want to get to a period here soon. I'm very self-aware. Um, but I want to be better at it because I think self-awareness leads to the other thing we should pray about, which is feel. Feel for situations. Feel for moments. Feel for the game. Feel for people feel for their thoughts and emotions and where they're at. Like, dude, that's some real stuff. Like you talk about connecting with people, dude, pray for feel because I'm telling you, listen to how somebody talks, you know, where they're at. You don't know where they're at. If you ain't listening, <laughs> and we're all guilty of that. We're having a conversation and it ain't, I ain't listening to you. I'm waiting to respond. Like, Hey, go ahead and get your thought out and then let me educate you. Like I've been there, done it hundred percent. Like, but man, I tell you what the power comes into when you, when you're self-aware enough, like I mentioned that conversation earlier, um, we had a, a really good shortstop, by the way, like really had one shortstop this year. And I think he's the best in the country. And man, I had to literally think about him all game long. When can I get him out of the game? Cause he's going to play short for 55 straight. Then the postseason. And so to your point, I'm going, I can get him out right now. And I had to pull him out a couple of times. He's like, come on, coach. I'm like, I'm, I, I'm looking out for you. I know it's three innings, man. It's three less innings on your knees, man. Let me, what if you get another strawberry? What if you roll an ankle? We got a lot of things we need to protect you from, but it goes back to that kid with his back. It goes back to, uh, we had a kid that had a blood clot this year and he missed his entire season. Like all just feel for that stuff. And like, you know, not not letting the competitive coach take over. And instead, man, get out of their way. And like, I always think of that, like, if I'm going to get out of their way, then I just get to step back. And if I step back off the rail, right, that's what we do as coaches, we're up on the rail. And you're in the game and you're in pitch to pitch and we're living and dying on ball and strike. But man, Gary Henderson hit me with this. Talk about guy up in that area in Utah one of the best pitching coaches in the country. He hit me with this at Kentucky. He's like, man, if you want to live life on the rail, he goes, man, it'll be fun, but get ready for that roller coaster. Cause you're on the rail. You're in the game. Like you're in, you're reaching up, smacking the ball of momentum across. Like you're, you're, you're in it, man. You gotta live life with your back against the dugout. Like that's where the feel comes in. That's where, you know, you get better as a coach. That's where you start to understand people pushing back to the back of the dugout 
allows you to be with yourself. So now you're in your own thoughts. You're making wise decisions. You know, I had a younger coach ask me about game management. And I said, honestly, that, that for me is the mindset I take that allows me to think, well, in the seventh, I know it's only the second, but in the seventh, the lineup will likely turn over like this. And I need to be ready to do a pinch hitter here, or I can feel the game. The feel of the game says, man, four runs ain't enough. That's why we pray for it. Like it, we need that. We need to have the pulse. Uh, I should probably think about, man, who's going to come in the seventh, man, to kind of get this game to the ninth. And then we probably need to get our closer ready for the ninth. It's probably going to be about a six, four game. So you just start to push back so that you can push others forward. And if I push others up to the rail, then I can manage the person. And like, that's, I spent more time stepping back in the dugout and just watching people and realizing the dude that's on the rail, that's been there for three innings and really no teammates really talked to. Well, they tried, but he was grumpy. And so I need to make a moment to come over. Hey man, come here real quick. You good? And right in the middle of the moment, we're in the middle of the heat of battle. You good? What's going on? What are you working with? What's going on? This, this. Okay, man. You know, I'm here for you, man. Let me know. And we talk it out and we get them right. Hey, go get back on that rail. Get into it. Take a guy with you. Let's get you back. Let's win this ball game. We get done with games. And when my player said this to me, he said, coach, you get talking after games. And I don't remember what the score was. Like, I don't know if you won or I don't know if we won or lost because it doesn't matter. Like that to me is self-awareness. I know that if I get wrapped up in the win or the loss, the message is different. Well, the message is always the same. The message is always the same. We played, let's learn from it. Now let's move forward. We're building a team. The message is always the same. If my guys had to hear me say, man, we're building a fight club one more time. We are like, we're going to get through the social stuff. We're going to get through the laughs. We're going to get through the funny stuff. Then we're going to get to a place where you guys start to realize it's about competition. And when you get started getting into competition, then there's whole nother layers that we talked about earlier that you guys start digging into. And, there, and then again, our situation, we got to embrace this target that's on our back because it ain't going away. People want to dogpile when they beat GGC. Dude, nobody wraps their arms around that more than I do. Come on with it because the best is only going to make me work at my best. That's where I want my players to be at. We don't take days off. We're relentless in our approach. We're the grittiest team you'll play on your schedule every single year. On a daily basis, we invest in our future success. You will not play a team that has more energy than when you come into our ballpark in Lawrenceville. That's what we're building. That's the reminder post-game. Feel that self-awareness. It's not about the win. It's not about the loss, about where we're going. Because I want to get lost in the result. So I'm not going to allow myself to go there. Like I'm having feel. Does that make sense? Solid. You know, I hope sure. so. I, 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 think, I think a lot about, you know, we had Brian, Coach Green on here, you know, and I think oh, about – Oh, sweet. He's, I mean, I <laughs> – the best it was, of the best, it was man. cool it was it was money that guy i don't think that that guy ever sleeps you know i i think he he's pretty much got a two-hour nap you know and he's ready to rock and roll you know but, <laughs> no you, know, you talk about he was talking about culture involvement and, and getting the the players out into the community getting the yeah. relationships built and you know honestly that you want it yeah wins and losses are important on the field but the real important is the big 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 w's is getting out in the community building those relationships you know, and, and it's not only changing the culture of how the community views, you know, the program, 
what is changing those players? I know it because when those four-year players are done, they're going to go back to Coach Green and say, thank you, because not that what you did for me on the field, it's what you did off the field. And, and going in and ringing that bell at the Salvation Army and going yeah. down to the senior center and playing a little checkers with those guys for an hour every Thursday, you know, I mean, that's ultimately is, is the big factor there. You know, it's huge. That, that, so, and that's the stuff we got to get better at. I'm not lying to you. You know, year one, um, I was a baseball coach. I wasn't a community service leader and, um, we want to get better at that. Now those are, you know, Greeny's obviously still remains as a mentor. Um, those are things I watch his program do. And, um, he was a major piece in the puzzle as I was interviewing for this job and spent a lot of time on the phone with him. And, um, you know, I live by the same in essence mantra that he lives by, uh, teach, recruit, develop. And, um, that's what, that's what we've morphed it to teach, recruit, develop. And, uh, in that order, and people are like, don't you need to recruit first to get the kids? Nope, because the teacher is the one that brings them in. Like, teach is at the forefront. You come to GGC, you get ready to get taught. You know, we are going to help inspire a, a, the next generation of player to see the game much differently than they did before. Um, we're also going to teach them how to become a man. And although I'm still on my journey to figure out what that is, you know, I'm 39, I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. Um, <laughs> but I do know what it takes to be a man and I'm not always perfect, but that's what we're, we're there to teach you those things. We're there to teach you what it means to be a pivotal member of your community, what it means to think globally and not always so locally. Um, starting to see the big picture when the world Twitter, social media wants us to just look right here inside of our bubble. Um, yeah. Greenies helped me uh, through that a lot. Um, it's much bigger than baseball, man. That's kind of what you're getting at. It is, man. This is, um, you know, as, as we've all said in, in various ways, like wins and losses aside, man, like how many men did you put into life prepared? Period. Prepared. They're prepared because of your program. Not to say they're not going to fumble because we all fumble. I fumbled today. I fumbled in a moment today. Like it happens. But man, I also am willing to go, okay, that's part of it. And I'm gonna learn from it. And then I'm gonna move forward and I'll be better because of it. And I won't make the same mistake twice. That's what we're trying to prepare them for. And like I mentioned earlier, the the courage to, to act on thoughts and ideas, man, I, I don't, you know, I think if you wish for anything, like what your player, your player shouldn't leave your program and just assume his position within a company. You want a guy that at 23 thinks he's supposed to be out there running a company. That's a different dude. That's a dude that is charged. That's a dude that, you know, has ambition. That's a dude that's got teeth, man. Like that, that's where we talk about our programs not meant for the weak or the timid. You know, because it just when, when you leave here, you if you're still that way, if you were that way, you didn't make it. But if you leave that way, you weren't listening. Like <laughs> that this is the message, man. We are getting you ready to go attack and um, cause life don't care, man. Life will beat you down. And if you stay down there, it'll step on your throat. And if it lets you step on your throat, you ain't getting up. And, uh, we want guys that are willing to fight back in our darkest days, man. When we're dealing, when we're in the, we're in the trenches, you better have an idea how you're going to pull yourself out. Sure. <laughs> From community service to the trenches, but man, you guys got me, <laughs> got me going on that one. Absolutely. Well, sheets, I, we have more on the docket, but that's just what you would call audio gold. I feel like. I'll so, take it. I'll take so it. I feel like let's wrap today. Can we have you on again? Talk base running. 
Oh, anytime, man. Anytime. As you know, man, you, you, I'm going to text away, um, carve out time for you. We're talking baseball. You guys fired me up and made me better. And hopefully there's some, there's some value in the, in our first one. Oh, I, I, I know there is. And, and thank you so much. We really appreciate you. I know East coast Pacific coast time and it's a little <laughs> late there and we want to get you back to your family and, and thank you so much. And, and we look forward to having you on again. Thanks again, guys. Appreciate the conversation tonight. Thank you. Thank you. We'll be right back to wrap this up with Kelly and Jason in the bullpen. All right. We're in the bullpen guys. My mind is just, I can't wait to dissect this thing because that was so awesome. And thank you again to coach sheets. And I can't wait to get scheduled another time to have you on, but uh, what'd you guys take from it? Yeah, I think personally, I'll probably listen to this uh, four or five, maybe 10 different times. You know, I, I think about each podcast that we have, you know, I play, over and over being that it has spent a lot of road time guys, but uh, you know, what I appreciate of coach sheets is the realism, you know, and if we can teach other coaches how to be real, how to invest uh, our time into our community and to others around, I mean, yes, it's important that we need to teach the game, right? We need to teach them how to hit, how to run, how to field, how to carry themselves on and off the field. But most importantly, it's when we get off the field, when we walk through that gate, um, or walk out of that stadium, you know, are we teaching these young men how to live life and how to treat others around you, um, with others around them within their community, maybe back home, wherever they may be. It, it's the important aspect. If we could focus more on that and we can instill by dialogue, you know, and, and, and just have conversations like that, it's going to be more where we take that game to the next level. And, and I think it's just being real. Again, we brought this up over and over, guys. But ultimately, it's just being real with one another and, and being real with the, our players. Yeah, I think, I think the, the more we dive into each one of these episodes and, and talking from a, a different lens, you know, it's not the same as a single phone conversation. You, you plan, you prepare like we've done on each of these and, and you never know what avenue is going to happen. We talked about this off air closing out, but just, we went a completely different direction than we thought with this episode, just because of, of what hit home for each one of us. Right. And it's, it's that realness that you're talking about, Jason, of, mm-hmm. of everyone's got problems and, and, and stuff that they go through, but, but how do they navigate that right. in their own environment in their own program? Um, right. And everything's a little bit different, but at the end of the day, um, it's all about perspective. It's all about being real. I love the feel talk of things. You know, I think it's a big driver in, in, in what we do. And I think these conversations are only going to improve our feel, you know, and it might not be, you know, as much as you're thinking about what someone taught us through this, but in the moment, you know, in that moment, something that happened within these conversations is going to be that prevailing thought there you know, that's going to come out and it's going to develop that feel aspect of things, you know? So I think the more that we get into this, we're just building that, that base of, of information of, of understanding how things can be successful at different areas. And it gives you a new perspective to think of things of how to approach a player, how to develop you know, a stronger relationship, the things that he does such a great job at that. I think everyone that we've had on the ones that are, are super successful have all been really good relationship builders. And at the end of the day, uh, we're only as good as our relationships. And that's, and that's one thing that I've started at the university of Washington. I've carried from, from time and time here. So whether it's player to player, coach to player, 
um, or player to coach, those relationships have to be strong um, for, for us to really be successful at the end of the day. Absolutely. You know, this is something that I think, uh, you know, being able to break down, be vulnerable and realize, I don't know at all. And I, and I've always wanted, and once I figure that out and I want to learn to get better. And I talked about a little bit ago, or was when he was on about the, uh, the moment when, you know, we had lost and we didn't get to the playoffs and I had this big, we're supposed to be state champs, you know? And then I listened to Sheets' podcast and, and the thing I just wanted to touch on was how much that the, the ABCA dugout chatter and those, all those episodes and what it meant to me and how it formed and made me question things. It made me get better. It made me become a better person. I, I, I realize now that I'm not going to be perfect. You know, the sinless man cast the first stone. Well, uh, it made me realize, you know, starting to listen to all this about, you know, people aren't, you, you got to treat people right. And that I'm not going to be perfect. And, and it's actually carried over into what I try to be with my marriage. You know, my wedding vows is I know that we're going to have our fights. I know that we're not going to have our brightest days, but I vow that I will never leave you. And I, I think realizing that and trying to grow and I appreciate Sheets and what he's done so much in the fact of uh, I was a guy striving to look for knowledge, striving to look for things to get better. And if anything comes of us doing this, I hope that there's someone out there listening that we can reach right now, that, like I was reached in that podcast, and to be able to help them improve, get better, and as not just a coach, but you know, as a worker, employee, husband, and whatnot. So, good. Hopefully, that made sense. Solid. Well, Solid. another great episode. We can't wait to get back. We follow us on Facebook at Pacific Northwest Fungo Banter, on Twitter at Fungo Banter PNW. We got a little music going, guys. We got some new equipment. We're getting a little more tech savvy here. Uh, make sure, please, get on <laughs> iTunes, rate, review, let everybody know about us. Until next time, take care of one another, stay healthy. Let's get back to baseball. <laughs> <laughs>